Welcome to the Kanoi Church Podcast. We're glad that you're interested in connecting through this teaching time. If you'd like to connect further, feel free to reach out to us through our website, kanoichurch.org. For now, enjoy this teaching from Kanoi Church, where our mission is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Thank you very much. I appreciate this. It's a definite honor to preach here, and I enjoy it ever so much. Um, Before I start, I just want to say I love Pastor Nick. I, I love him. He's young, but he's not a novice. He, bring, he brings the word very well, and I think we're blessed to have him. And also saying that, I love the worship team. And uh, not just because my wife is up there, but <laughs> I love them. I think they do a really good job of bringing us to the point that we need to be at. I'm an old farmer. I grew up on the farm. And before we planted the seed, we would disc the field, then plow the field, then disc it again. And that that made the soil real crumbly and all the weeds are gone and everything. And so it was uh, perfect to plant the seed in that. Um, That's what I believe worship is. Worship plows the field in our hearts. We've had a whole week of dealing with life and dealing with the world and dealing with the enemy and dealing with temptation. And so we come here and the worship prepares our hearts for the word, for the seed. So we are aptly prepared, I believe, every week by the worship team. They get us ready for the word. They get our attention focused where it's supposed to be. My sermon uh, this morning is on following Jesus. I'm doing one of the uh, core values of the Brethren in Christ Church. Uh, And it's called, I don't know whether you can read it, I couldn't read it from where I was sitting, but following Jesus by the power of his Holy Spirit. And that's what I'm preaching on today. Um, You know, about the book, uh, focusing on the values, I I think you should read it. It's really, really good. And I don't know, there's 20-some core values in the BIC church. Um, And I read the whole thing, and honestly, I agree with the whole book. And I agree with all, and I was looking for things, you know. that I could gripe about or something, you know, and I can't. Uh, it's, it's really good stuff. And, and the one that I'm doing, following Jesus, I mean, shouldn't that be the core value of every church in the, in the country and around the world, following Jesus? Who's got a problem with that? Anybody here have a problem with the core value of following Jesus? Uh, I mean, that's what it's all about. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning, is is following Jesus. 
I, I grew up in a church very similar to this. Had a different name on the, you know, on the sign. I grew up in the Cooperstown Christian Church. But it was a small country church like this, probably smaller than this. I think the highest attendance we ever had was like 130 or 140. So, you know, usually around 100. And, uh, but it was a similar atmosphere to this. The worship's better here. (laughs) You know, and I won't go into that. So anyway, (laughs) the Christian church had its roots back before the Civil War in the early 1860s, late 1850s. It came out of a uh, thing called the Cane Ridge Revival, which was in Cane Ridge, Kentucky. And this was before. This was right after the Civil War when everybody was, you know, really tore up. Most everybody had lost somebody in the war. And the Cane Ridge Revival was just an area in the country near a little small church, but they didn't meet in the church. It was too big. They met in the woods beside the church. And they estimated it went on for between six to eight months. Back then, people had to come by horse and wagon to the revival, you know? So it was a big deal. And you didn't get in that horse and wagon and go for two or three days just to stay for an hour or two and come back home. No, no. So what was interesting about the revival was there was not one speaker, but from time to time, man or woman, young or old, would jump up on a stump and start preaching. And the Holy Spirit just fell on that area. And uh, they were just blessed, the people that went. And out of that, I found out (laughs) there's about three that I know of denominations that came out of that Cambridge Revival. But the one that I was a part of was (laughs) anti-denominational. Back then, there was basically three churches you could go to, the Methodist, Presbyterian, or the Baptist. And so the Christian church came out and said, we don't want to be a part of a denomination. Every church was independent. Although, and they had like, ended up with four big Bible colleges, and every church ended up being like every other Christian church, but it wasn't a denomination. I don't know how that gets going, but anyway, it's, they had very, uh, a lot of similarities without an, uh, without an overhead uh, denominational thing and so forth. But uh, anyway, since then, oh, this thing's on rollers. I didn't know that. <laughs> Since then, they've split several times. The non-instrumental Church of Christ comes from there. And the Disciples of Christ, United Church of Christ has all split off of that. And uh, so they're like four big denominations now. Well, let's get down to the task here. The, uh, come follow me. And in Matthew 16, 24, and I'm sorry I didn't have all the 
scriptures uh, wrote out for you and so forth. So you just have to take my word for it or you can jot that number down. Matthew 16, 24. If any man come after me, let him deny himself, take up the cross daily and follow me. Jesus has given the invitation. Go into all the world, Matthew 8, or excuse me, 28, 8. Uh, whatever it is, 28, 16, or 18. Uh, well, I guess I could look that up. This is my Bible. I, uh, I have uh, like 10 versions of the Bible in here. And if I get online, I got about 20 more. So uh, that's what I like. Um, it's a lot more than I can read, but you know. 1624. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. But throughout the New Testament, Jesus says, follow me. And he expects us when we give our life to him. Now, he doesn't expect us to be perfect immediately. But he expects us, once we give our heart and life to him, to follow him. Broad and easy is the way to leads to destruction. Narrow and difficult is the way that leads to eternal life. Jesus said, pick up your cross daily and follow me. There is a call there for every Christian to become a disciple of Christ. We're not saved to be bumps on a log. We're not saved to just take up space in a pew. We are saved to become a disciple. And it's not easy. And it's a lifelong process. But Jesus says, come, follow me. The entire New Testament is talking about the ways that Christians can become more like Christ. The way that Christians can follow Jesus. There is a call on our lives. I don't know whether you remember, but some time ago I preached and I mentioned the 18th president of the United States. Uh, if you don't remember who that is, and the kids are gone, they would know. Um, it was Ulysses S. Grant, and the initials of President Grant was U.S., and that stood for, as the people knew, because as a general in the Army of the Union, he fought a uh, fort in Tennessee, and they said, we'll surrender under these conditions. And President Grant said, no, there are no conditions. You must surrender unconditionally. From then on, he was known as Unconditional Surrender Grant. U.S. Grant, Unconditional Surrender. Folks, when Jesus calls us, we can't hold it back. We can't hold back anything. You know, we're, 
we're selfish. And we want to hold on to things in our life. We want to hold on more than anything else. We want to hold on to control. We want to control our own lives. We want to be able to say yes or no. Well, if you're talking to your neighbor or your wife, you can say yes or no. But if you're talking to Jesus, you can't say no. There's no no. It's hard, folks. Every day there's things that come up in our life. And are we going to surrender the control of our lives to Jesus? If we can surrender everything to Jesus, uncontrollable, unconditional surrender, then he's going to change our lives. We can't live the same life before Jesus as we, after Jesus as we do before Jesus. There's got to be change. If there's no change, that's a problem. When... Uh, Shelly and I first got married years ago. I had, when I was a kid, an experience. I was 15 or 16 years old. I think I was going across the pasture to bring the cows in to milk them. And uh, I felt like Jesus was talking to me. And I felt like Jesus was calling me. And from that point on, I always became aware that I felt like Jesus had a calling on my life and that he wanted to direct my life. Well, I went through high school and chose to go to Illinois State with a major in PE and a minor in math to become a coach. A basketball coach or a baseball coach or football coach, it didn't make any difference. I just loved sports and I wanted to be a coach more than anything else. And I remember one time, and you know how kind of wives, after 51 years, she completes my sentence and I complete her sentences. We kind of know what each other's thinking. And she she completes me very well, but this was when we were first married and, and I was still going to college at Illinois State and we got to talking and I told her about the experience that I had where I thought God was calling me to be a preacher. And then she looked at me and she said, well, why are you going to school to be a coach? <laughs> if you're called to be a preacher, why are you going to school to be a coach? You know, and I, I had no answer for that. And the next semester, semester, I transferred, and, well, the rest is history, and I owe that to my sweet wife, who's been my companion, best friend, and... Uh, completed me. Shelly, just, you know, stand up or wave your hand or say, no, <laughs> wave your hand, okay. It's my beautiful wife, I love her. We've, uh, 
We've been through thick and thin. To stay together for over 51 years, <laughs> a lot of forgiveness you got to do. Both, <laughs> both directions, both directions. But anyway, back to changing our lives. When Jesus is control, in control of your life, even your vocation should belong to Jesus. And if he is, I don't care how old you are. If he's your Lord, then if he tells you to go to Africa, start packing. I've been to Africa, oh, I don't know, five or six times. <laughs> and it's, it's awesome. I went over there on mission trips, helped establish an orphanage helped establish several different churches, and I went primarily to teach the pastors. But if God is in control of your life, even where you are right now, if Jesus wants to change that, then you need to heed the call. I don't see Jesus as, you know, changing our lifestyles drastically after certain age, you know, so forth, retirement. But before then, up to however old, up to 70 years old anyway, you ought to be obedient to the Lord. And if he's calling you somewhere else to do something else, do it. Now, he'll never call you away from your spouse. So your spouse has to be in agreement and so forth. But... He will call you and possibly shake your tree a little bit. <laughs> he also calls on us for relationships. Over the years, <clears throat> Jesus has to have control of your relationships. And you say, well, Jesus, you know, he met with Zacchaeus and he met with the Disciples before they were followers, and he, you know, said that we needed to go everywhere. And so, yes, we do need to go to those that don't know the Lord. But let me say this if you have a friend that's influencing you into temptation, is influencing you away from the Lord then you got to change that relationship. Doesn't hurt to have relationships with people that are not Christian. But you have to honestly evaluate that relationship and who is influencing who. Is the non-Christian influencing you towards him or her? Or are you influencing the non-Christian towards the Lord? If you have more influence on your non-Christian friend than they do on you, then I suggest you continue the relationship. But when that person has more influence on you than the Lord, that's when you say, nope. And as hard as it may be, we have to sever relationships sometimes and go in a different direction. There's a call on your lives. And your vocation and your relationships have to line up with Jesus. 
because you're a disciple of Jesus and he comes first. If any man follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. What does that mean? They take up your cross means to surrender totally to the Lord Jesus Christ and whatever demands Jesus puts on you for that day, you have to be obedient to him. That's what it means to take up a cross daily. Take up your cross daily means to follow Jesus daily. And it's not easy. Taking up the cross is more difficult than just living your life however you want to live so that doesn't doesn't work means to deny deny yourself means put Jesus first yeah alright cool thanks for asking that let's go to the Holy Spirit by the power of the Holy Spirit I love to talk about the Holy Spirit I love to talk about the Holy Spirit I miss Jesse and the Pentecostalism, you know. <laughs> Glory! <laughs> anyway, there's two words. Do we have that? Um, logos and rhema, do you have that? Uh, whatever, what do you want to call it? On your PowerPoint? There, there it is, right there, Holy Spirit. There's two words in the Bible that are translated word. One is logos and one is rhema. Logos is this. I went to my library to find a Bible that's bigger than Pastor Nick's. <laughs> or at least at least as, as big as his, you know. But this is the logos. The logos never changes. The Logos is always true. The Logos is always the plumb line. The Logos can also be translated reason. It can also be translated knowledge. And it's from which we get the word logical. Now, generally speaking, men, it's easier for men to follow the Logos. But that doesn't mean women can't follow the Logos. They certainly can. They can be logical. It's just a little bit different for them to be logical. They'd rather, rather be emotional. So let me look at the other one. The other word for word is rhema. And rhema can be translated word of God. And rhema can be translated breath, spirit. And in that scripture says, be still and know that I am God. We have to be quiet to hear the Spirit. But the Holy Spirit, and this, if you don't know, lives inside of you as a Christian. And he speaks to you. He gives you directions. The Holy Spirit within you, speaking to you, is rhema. And you have to listen to the Holy Spirit. You have to quiet down the things in life. Now, it doesn't mean that if you're not in a bad situation, the Holy Spirit can speak to you. 
anytime, any way. But we have to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit that is inside of us. The Holy Spirit speaks to us. And that's the word of God. You know, the word, the rhema word of God that comes to our heart's ear is the word of God. But it has to line up with the logos because sometimes we can get our own thoughts mixed up with the Holy Spirit. Oh my gosh, John, what are you talking about? Sometimes we listen (laughs) and we put our own interpretation on it. But the Holy Spirit inside us is our conscience. The Holy Spirit inside us is discernment and correction. You know what discernment is? In the physical realm, discernment is your nose. If something doesn't look quite right, you pull something out of the refrigerator and it doesn't look quite right, what do you do? You smell it. And your nose is discernment whether or not that is good or not. Well, the Holy Spirit in your spirit is the discernment of spiritual and unspiritual things. The Holy Spirit inside of you can tell you what is God and what is not. He can recognize the enemy who's trying to tempt you. And if you listen to him, he'll be your conscience. And he'll be your guide. And he will help you. He will give you discernment when you're walking down the wrong path. When you're tempted. You know another thing he can do? The Holy Spirit can give us the power to say no to the enemy. You may think there are certain temptations in your life that you cannot say no to the enemy. But you know what? The Holy Spirit inside of you can say no to the enemy. But you've got to listen to him. We have to learn the voice of the Holy Spirit within us. We have to learn the rhema word of God. He will give us direction. It is mysterious. The Holy Spirit in us speaking to our heart is a mysterious thing. It's something we have to learn. Do you know how we learn to hear the Holy Spirit? Pray. Because when you're praying is often when the Holy Spirit sends a message back to you. Pray and listen. How can we follow Jesus if we don't learn about him? How can you learn about him? You have to study him. And his breath, just like the song that we sang, Jesus' last breath on the cross, is in us. That's how we learn about Jesus. That's how we grow as Christians. I don't care how old you are. The Holy Spirit, when you get saved, comes into your life into your heart and mysteriously, spiritually speaking, becomes one with your spirit. The Holy Spirit and your spirit 
becomes one. Similar to marriage. The Holy Spirit and your spirit are intertwined with each other. And that spiritual DNA is what you become as a Christian. But he calls you to live differently. Jesus is invited. When you invite Jesus into your heart, he comes into your heart. The Holy Spirit comes into your heart. The Holy Spirit joins with your spirit. But guess what? The Holy Spirit, when he comes into your heart, is only invited, let's say he's invited to your house. He's only invited to the living room. And you want the Holy Spirit to stay in the living room because that's your most presentable room in the house. So sit Jesus down in the living room and talk with him there, you know. But guess what? The Holy Spirit gets up and starts knocking. Well, guess what? He knocks on the kitchen door. He knocks on the bedroom door. He knocks on the closets. He goes down into the basement. The Holy Spirit goes into the basement of your spiritual house and he wants to feel at home there. Well, guess what? We got to clean it up a little bit, don't we? We got to clean up the basement and make it presentable to the Lord. And then guess what? He starts knocking on the attic. (laughs) The Holy Spirit does not just go into your life and just sit there. He's constantly knocking on doors in your life, wanting to be a part of more and more of your life. And it's whether you say yes or no to him. Galatians 5.22, let's read that. But the fruit of the Spirit... Well, let's back up and read what the the acts of the flesh are obvious. I'm reading from 19, Galatians 5, 19. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, and drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Well, you know, impurity and debauchery. Debauchery is, you know, talking about sexual things in a, in a bad way. In a way that's not pure and holy. Idolatry and witchcraft. The word witchcraft here in the New Testament comes from the same word as the root of pharmacy. So witchcraft... And doing drugs are very similar. When you do drugs, and I'm not talking about doctors prescribed drugs, I'm talking about when you do drugs on your own, you are giving your life over to Satan. You are doing witchcraft because it's allowing part of your life to be controlled by something else other than Jesus. The whole book of Acts. Oh, let me go ahead and read the 
But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Forbearance is patience. And I don't know how old you are before you learn patience, but it's older than I am. (laughs) And I know the only way I can be patient (laughs) is if I surrender to Jesus. I'm sorry, hon, for the things that I've said and done. I'm not a patient man, but I need to listen to the Holy Spirit, and he will bring me to that point. He will bring me to the point where I can have victory over impatience. God doesn't want Christians that are flying off the handle. God doesn't want Christians that hit their spouse. God doesn't want Christians that are making a scene in public, throwing things around because they don't get their way. That's not God. And that's not the Holy Spirit having control of your life. That's not you being under the power of the Holy Spirit to follow Jesus. Sometimes I get so angry. I'm an Uber driver and I have people cut me off all the time in the road and I, I hate that. And every once in a while, I'll be going too slow or something and somebody will honk me. That's hard. I'm learning, Jesus. I'm learning to just, you know, go on and get out of the way or whatever, you know. The whole book of Acts, if you read it, Peter, Philip, Paul, they're all being led by the Holy Spirit. They're being disciples. And our lives should read a little bit like the book of Acts. There should be things in our life that are like those scriptures. Yeah, where people are healed. Where your prayers and your presence makes a difference in a sick sick person's life. And they can be sick physically or they can be sick spiritually. And you can make a difference. Us too. Well, let me show you something here, if I can. (laughs) And we'll close with this. Let's say this is Christ, right here in the middle. And let's say this big circle is Christianity. Let's say this is you. Are you trying to get close to Christ? Or let's say this is you. This person is asking the question, can I do this and still be a Christian? If you're asking the question, can I do this and still be a Christian? Guess what? You're trying to get as close to the edge of Christianity as you can, which when you're getting close to the edge, you're getting farther away from Christ. This person is asking, how can I be more like Jesus? How can I be more like Jesus? Of these two, which you think is most dangerous position? 
This one up here is saying, can I do this and still be a Christian? Right? Praise God. I got another one here somewhere. Oh, yeah. This is, this is Joe. And if there's anybody named Joe in here, no application to you or your life at all. Okay. And, and you know, uh, this, this over here is Christ. And this over here is the world. You know? And the problem is some of us, have our eye on the world. <laughs> this is what we look like to Jesus if we have one eye on Christ and one eye on the world. Yeah? Huh? <laughs> Let's pray, shall we? Thank you, Jesus. God, you're so good to us. You accept us the way we are. And Lord, God, you know that we have to do a lot of cleaning up our lives. Help us, Lord, to hear your spirit deep within us. And obey your spirit. Help us, Lord, to want to be more like you. Help us, Lord, not to have our one foot in the grave and one foot on a banana peel. Help us, Lord, to really want to work hard to be more like you. It is possible, Lord. And I pray that you would just show any and everyone here that it is possible to be like Jesus and to be his followers. Amen. Hi, this is Pastor Nick. Thanks for listening. I hope something that you heard today was very helpful. If you want to connect with us further, feel free to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or our website, kanoichurch.org. Sure, I'm glad we're in this together. Thank you.